Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. I'm Christy Dimitrakis, the president and founder of The Empowered Speaker, a company focused on teaching you the power of dreams and the importance of faith in conquering the fears that limit us. I'm the author of Faith to Conquer Fear, Inspiration to Achieve Your Dreams, and the author of my newest book, Faith to Conquer Fear, The Journey, scheduled to be released in the next couple of weeks. I also host this show, the Faith to Conquer Fear radio show. For those of you who've followed me or followed my show in the past, historically you know this radio show has included special guests. But I took some time off for the last year or so to regroup and figure out what I really wanted to do with the show. So I'm starting a new short series called Faith Barriers. In this series, I will talk about those situations and circumstances in life that act as barriers to our faith. Each segment will discuss a different potential barrier and what God's word says about how we should manage those particular barriers. And this week's segment is financial setbacks. Financial setbacks as a barrier to your faith. It's been said that money can't buy happiness, but I would say I'm much happier when I have money. Whether we have it in abundance or not at all, Money does indeed make the world go round. Money or currency is the one language understood in every country and by everybody. The currency may be different, but the premise is the same. In order to effectively navigate this world, you need some type of currency to buy and sell goods, to get what you need and what you want from someone else. Knowing this to be true, It doesn't seem fair that everyone doesn't have the same ability to get what they need or want due to the lack of money, does it? According to the latest U.S. Census Bureau, about 15% of the U.S. population lives below the poverty line. That is currently calculated to be an annual income of $23,050 for a family of four. There is the middle class, which makes up a majority of Americans, but even this is divided into segments. The working middle class falls at the lowest end of the spectrum. This consists of blue-collar workers, typically working in industry and paid by the hour. Next is the lower middle class, which is primarily composed of lower-level white-collar workers. These are people with college degrees but not graduate degrees that could allow them to advance to higher levels of employment. An income for this group is between $32,500 and $60,000 dollars a year for a family of four. The upper middle class typically have postgraduate degrees and work at high-level white-collar positions. Household income is typically above $100,000. People in this group are considered to be in the top third of American income. Then there's the 5%. Americans whose household income exceeds $150,000 a year And finally, there's the 1%, or households that earn more than $250,000 annually. Why am I sharing all these statistics? Number one, because most people have no idea what class they are in. As you saw, there are varying levels of middle class. Does it matter, you might ask? It matters if you are making purchases above your means because you think that's what people like you, and I air quote, like you, have, long-term financial success is all about living under your means, not spending for the appearance of fitting in. 
that is a bad strategy for the future. The second reason I share these statistics is because I want you to understand just how quickly you can fall from one class down to another class. I want to share a very personal story with you. My husband and I have always been a two-income household with the exception of a seven-year period within our marriage. Up until that point, we were doing well financially. After graduating from UNC Chapel Hill, we got married and moved to Florida. I secured my master's degree while living there, which afforded me the opportunity to move to another company and increase my salary. We relocated again to Texas and had our first child. Shortly after she was born, we moved to Cincinnati, Ohio, and then along came Colin, our second child. By this time, I've worked for three companies and my salary is steadily increasing. My husband was working as a store manager in retail. We were busy, but life was good. Then we moved to Northwest Arkansas, one of my favorite places that I have ever lived. I know. I know what you're thinking, but yes, Northwest Arkansas is a great place to live. We were at that time at the height of our household income. We bought a very expensive custom home when we moved there, fully expecting nothing to change in our financial situation. Life was good. And then it happened. My husband was let go from his store manager job. Now, this was not our first rodeo on the being let go front, as I had lost a job a few years before, but we'll save that for another show. The difference is this time, we had no obvious cushion. $80,000 a year just disappeared. Wow. Now, to some of you listening, they may, that may not seem like a lot of money, uh, but let me tell you, when you have two little ones, an expensive house, and a new car, that's a lot of money. We were surprised and caught completely off guard, so you can imagine how we were feeling. Here's the background you have to understand. I had prayed for an opportunity to work in Northwest Arkansas, calling on Walmart. For a salesperson, it is a feather in your career cap to sell to the world's largest retailer. So I did not understand how God could have brought us to this place, allowed us to purchase this beautiful home, find an amazing church home, only to suffer such a huge financial hit. My husband's self-esteem took a hit. I was looking at him sideways. I felt the pressure of being the sole provider for our family. It took an emotional toll. But let me tell you about the graciousness of God. About six months before this happened, I had received a large bonus on my job. Normally, we would have funneled that money to savings and to pay off bills and maybe go on vacation. But I clearly heard the Lord say, just hold on to this money. I didn't understand why at the time, but I was obedient. When James lost his job, that bonus was the cushion we needed until we could reorganize our finances to adjust to living within our remaining household income. Here's what I need you to understand about God in our situation. We did not miss a financial beat. Even though there clearly was a financial setback, we didn't have to sell our house. We didn't have to sell our car. We could still pay our bills. All of our needs were still met. 
The biggest change for us was my husband becoming a stay-at-home dad for a few years. Even though that was really hard for both of us at the time, it was the best thing for our family at that time. God has a way of working things out for our good. One of my favorite scriptures, <laughs> this is probably why it's one of my favorite scriptures, is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, which says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That's the part of the scripture many of us get excited about. But let's keep reading the following verses. Jeremiah 29, chapter 12, uh, verses 12 through 13. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. As you can imagine, we sought God and prayed more during that season of time than perhaps ever before. But when one door closes, another opens. While we were still in Arkansas, I launched my business, The Empowered Speaker. Out of that financial setback came the start of what you now see me doing today. Financial setbacks are real. Yours may not be as extreme as mine, and my situation may not reflect your reality. But at the end of the day, we must believe God has our best interest at heart. In Matthew 6, it says, starting with the 25th verse, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. <laughs> 